Hi friends, welcome to this bonus episode in our bonus season of the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And this is the 11th in our short series of 12 episodes on a guide to preaching, which I've placed as a bonus season just to give me a little bit of time in the preparation of our next big journey together through the book of Luke. The sound quality of these is different to the normal recording technique as they were originally recorded quite a few years ago as a series of live videos that I made, sessions I gave in offering some guidance to some ministers and evangelists in Pakistan, which I placed on LinkedIn and made available that way. They were recorded in one take, so you know, expect them to be a little bit bumpy as they go along, but I do hope you're finding them helpful. And the last one will be tomorrow, and then we'll kick off on our next big session together working through the Gospel of Luke. So it's great to have you here with me today, and I'll see you at the back end. Thanks for joining me. Bye for now. Okay, friends, we're going to continue with this guide to preaching, and this is part 11, which is talking about messages that pack a punch. When God spoke the word and the author's of the scriptures wrote it down, they clearly used words. In fact, 1 Corinthian tells us that. They used human words, fueled by their life and experience, but inspired wholly by the Holy Spirit. Any communicator should be concerned about the words which we use. And those of us who are called to be communicators of God's word, of all people, we are the ones who need to most pay particular attention to our choice of words. To believe that the individual words of scripture, the words that appear in our Bible, are God-breathed, and then to ignore how carefully we choose our language in explaining them, well, I would say at the very least, displays a gross inconsistency. God's word, alongside our common sense and our life experience, should tell us that our ideas and our words cannot be separated. Like jelly, They should assume the shape of the mould that God has provided through his sacred precepts. In other words, the words of God must form the mould, the words and ideas of God must form the mould into which our words are poured. It's a bit like adding pigments to oils because it is the pigments, the small amounts of powder, that define the colour and tone of the paint. And thereby the words that we're using should be adding nothing else other than colour and tone and expression and explanation to the words of God as revealed in the Bible. By our words, we trying to capture the colour and the thought of scripture that is being expressed and has been used in the message that it is based upon. Now, in human terms, a speaker's choice of words is sometimes referred to or called their style. And it's true, every single one of us will have a different style, whether it is precise or imprecise. But whoever we are, we must always try and choose from a very wide ranging, the entire colour palette of words and styles of talk and presentation that are available to us in order to help us try and paint the picture that the words in the Bible are trying to communicate. You see, our message as we speak it, it needs to not only be experienced, it needs in a sort of mental sense, it needs to be seen in the in the mind of the individual listening. 
And by our choice of words, we can affect that greatly. You see, there are bright words and there are dark words. There are bright words that can encourage and there are dark words that can inspire fear or reverence. There are soft words that can bring comfort and there are strong words that are meant to challenge people or at least they should do anyway. Carefully chosen words can actually transport a listener into the very presence of God. But remember, the bad use of words, the use of incorrect words can drag someone down and actually drag them into the gutter. In life, we live by words. We love by words. We pray with words as Christians. And some people over the course of time, we've seen it throughout history, have died as a result of uh, the sloppy use of language. Francis Bacon wrote, writing makes a man exact and in thought and in speech. Joseph Conrad exaggerated, I suppose, but only slightly when he said this, give me the right word in the right accent and I will move the world. In order to produce messages that are exact and of the power of God and document or expound the message of the Bible, we must be mindful of the words we use. The first objective of preaching is always to deliver a clear message, to create unity and a sense of discipleship in the mind of the listener. And the single greatest thing a preacher can do in order for this to happen is to make sure that he's clear and understood by his listeners, by his audience, his congregation. So I'm going to begin to round up this series of talks by giving us some useful principle in our use of words which will enable our messages to be clear and easily understood. A practical list of different types of words and styles that we can use. But overarching all that, I need to say that our choice of words, where possible, should be simple and straightforward. A clear style consisting of simple words is really, really important. Unless a long word is absolutely necessary, then a short word should be chosen. Do you know that there's an academic somewhere has proved that 70 to 80% of the words used by some of history's most notable writers, people like Robert Louis Stevenson, Charles Dickens, they only have one syllable. Did you know, for example, that there are only 73 different words used in Psalm 23? Or that 70% of the words used in the Lord's Prayer are just straightforward, simple, one-syllable words. And 80% of the words used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which many see as Paul's and the Bible's greatest explanation of the concept of love. And over 80% of the words used in this most abstract of difficult subjects are straightforward words of only one syllable. As well as our words being straightforward, our sentences are better when it comes to public speaking in being short. A clear style is often recognised as being characterised by short sentences. In his famous book, The Art of Plain Talk, Rudolf Flesch contends that clarity increases as sentence length decreases. Isn't that interesting? According to him, a clear writer or speaker will average about 17 or 18 words per sentence. And he believes that when public speaking, we should never allow our sentences to wander over 30 words, certainly when writing and even shorter when public speaking. As well as short, straightforward sentences, the structure of those sentences should be simple as well. As a rule, each sentence should contain just one thought. 
For public speaking, experts have worked out and say it's best to use one sentence for each thought you're trying to make. And also that we should let nouns and verbs carry the meaning. In other words, don't clutter the message with unnecessary surplus words. Repetition is a useful tool for the biblical communicator. Repetition is a great way to emphasize or to communicate clearly. A very famous preacher repeated the word hell numerous times throughout his sermon and it worked very effectively. Another preacher I heard kept repeating the sentence, it's Friday but Sunday is coming. And another very famous message that went viral a few years ago was a message from a preacher recorded in the USA in the 1960s where he kept repeating and uttering the phrase, he is the king of, and then he'd listed all the biblical quotations referring to Jesus as king. But as well as repetition, reinstatement is a very useful tool. Now I know it sounds similar, but it isn't the same thing. Reinstatement is a tool that facilitates clarity and reinstatement is different than repetition. Repetition repeats the same thing in the same way, but reinstatement says the same thing using different words or ideas each time. But overall, we should try and develop a style and it should go without saying that the style that we should try and develop should be interesting. When you think about what makes listening to an academic who you aren't an expert in the area he's talking about is the fact that he may appear boring because you as a non-specialist listener are listening to someone extrapolating something that you don't understand the detail thereof. So just as an academic can appear boring to a non-specialist listener, a stand-up comedian on the other hand usually grabs their attention and appears interesting. Experts have looked at this say that academics are often deemed boring because they speak an abstraction about a subject to a group of well-versed listeners. And stand-up comedians are at the other end of the scale and they often appear more interesting to the average observer because they speak in more concrete terms and they often use exaggeration or irony to draw attention to those concrete facts. Good communicators of biblical truths, we have to be the people who move between abstraction and factual. We're sort of climbing up back and forth, up and down that ladder, like a builder on a ladder, up and down those various ways, trying to connect with our audience, to have meaning specific and they should be gathered up in our, in our facts and our overviews, but abstractions may be broken down to make those particular ideas more understandable to the people in front of us. The interesting writer, the informative speaker, the accurate thinker, all operate on all steps of the abstraction ladder, moving quickly and graciously in an ordinary fashion to lower and higher thoughts, to lower and higher thinking. Good communicators move between these perceptions of dealing with the factual and applying it with the abstract so deftly that we don't even notice what's going on and the transitions between them. Now you may think that being abstract is not the right thing that a preacher of the Bible should be doing, but the Bible itself on occasions speaks in abstract truth. And that being the case, a preacher of biblical truth is free to use abstraction. God is three in one, being a case in point. It's never going to get more abstract than an idea like that. But even the most simple of terms in the Bible, like Paul's exhortation that husbands should love our wives, that is an abstract truth until that statement is extrapolated into concrete 
recommendations. By being concrete, we actually abstract the truth. We move from the general to the specific, from the principle to the particulars, from the idea to the illustration and practical application of that idea. We must always be specific and practical in any recommendations we make and how to actually apply biblical truth to the everyday life of the people listening to what we say. There was a Danish philosopher called Sorin Kierkegaard and he complained that when George Hegel, his friend and colleague, sent him directions to his house in Copenhagen, he said, can you send me some direction? And then what he received through the post was a map of Europe. You see, sometimes, friends, our advice needs to be specific, particularly when dealing with abstract ideas, which need to be able to be taken from the word of God and then help people apply them into their lives. That illustration I used earlier is useful, husband love your wives. It's a perfect example of a standalone sentence which is putting across a biblical idea. Now, what that might practically mean is just advising husbands to tell their wives they love them regularly or to move from the abstract idea of love to the concrete expression of it by maybe expressing it with a gift or by doing something for that person, even for some men, a household activity. Say it with a gift, but more importantly, say it regularly and say it with words. Having a style that is prepared when appropriate to be imaginative is also useful. Research has indicated that students in a classroom retain images they create in their minds while listening to stories better than information presented just through the reading or the watching of a video. The images they retain from the stories are often more expansive and more detailed, and they understand what their application meant in terms of the core subject that they were studying. Therefore, speaking and people listening can always be more powerful than people just watching a video or something on TV. When people watch screens, they are watching other people and what other people have imagined and then turned into words. You see, there are no limits to what we can imagine, and that's why I personally prefer to make my teaching available by either direct in-person preaching face-to-face, -face, where we can see the whites of each other's eyes, or making it online available as an audio podcast only, rather than these videos, which have been done at the request for one specific reason and purpose. Another useful skill to develop is the ability to paint pictures, and to make active steps to try and use words that do that, and do paint pictures in people's minds. And you do that by using metaphors, and similes, and figures of speech. And sometimes that actually means you can turn a whole complicated subject Sometimes you can pack more in with just a phrase, a colourful phrase and a wordy paragraph. It's also useful to appeal to the senses. People learn about the world around them through their five senses, hearing, seeing, smell, taste and touch. And therefore to get an audience to experience a message, at times we, it is appropriate to appeal to all those five senses. Good use of words will make listeners recall impressions from their past or past experiences and they will respond to the words as they did to that event that you're calling to mind by the pulling out of ideas and colour that appeal to those senses. Another really important technique is to talk about people, real people. When we talk about real people, 
or give real life or even first person examples, we are in a sense incarnating the truth that we're trying to get across. Therefore, friends, be prepared to talk about yourself and about people. Talk about your real human experience. The Bible does that all the time. It even speaks of people in very real terms. It talks about people like Lot being greedy or Jacob being cunning. What about passionate David or impulsive Peter or determined Paul? And of course, no less than treacherous Judas. The Bible does, of course, contain truth in statement form, but the Bible is also about presenting that truth exhibited in human lives. Another useful thing to think about in preparing an effective sermon is to try and build a sense of suspense, a sense of tension, maintain a sense of tension throughout, the feeling that there is something more coming, as if the message is not yet complete, but there's a conclusion coming. The tension then should be released when the sermon ends by the revealing of that final big point. You see, in the final analysis, the ultimate object of preaching is not just to inform people, it's to impact people. Facts inform, but the use of the imagination is the thing that really will impact people and make them make decisions to change their lives. I personally, when I go and hear someone speak, I want them to move me in some way. Now, sometimes, on occasion, sermons and public talks seem little more than an attempt to fill my mind with facts or information. But like most Christians, my personal belief often outstrips my behaviour. So what I need is a sermon that encourages me or challenges me. I need a sermon that can motivate me, not only to know what this stuff that's being said in the Bible, but how to be it and to do it. In other words, I need a preacher who will speak with power in a way that will paint pictures in my mind that will allow me to apply them in my life. So in summary, friends, effective messages are seasoned with all this wide ranging use of words and styles, all of which should be clear, interesting and imaginative, and that we should at some level try and go from the general to the specific in its application into people's lives. In the attempt to do that and get people to be specific about what this amazing book means to them, we should be prepared to paint pictures, use similes, metaphors, appeal to the senses and add colour to what we're saying through illustrations and real life experience. Effective communicators are like wordsmiths. They work hard to say things and to say them just right. And that investment, and if we're prepared to make that investment in the preparation of what we're going to say, it will be worthwhile. Proverbs 25.11 tells us, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. By way of illustration, let me give you this. One evening, John Keats, very famous English poet from a few hundred years ago, was said to be sitting in his study with his friend Lee Hunt. Hunt was reading while Keats laboured over his poem. At one point, Keats asked Hunt, what do you think of this? A beautiful thing is an unending joy. Hunt's reply was, yeah, good line, but not quite perfect. After a few moments of silence, Keats asked, how about this? A thing of beauty is an unending joy. His friend responded, yet yeah, better, but still not quite right. After another long silence, Keats asked, 
What do you think of this? A thing of beauty is a joy forever. That, said Hunt, is perfect. It will live as long as the English language is spoken. And you know what? It has. Word choice is critical, friends, and sometimes that can mean hard work, and sometimes it can mean more by just standing up in front of people and winging it. But hard work is well worth it. It's well worth the effort. Let me give you this example, just taken from a, a book of the sermons of William Temple. And within one of these sermons, he defined the idea of worship, and he did it in this way. The purpose of worship, he said, is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open up the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. A powerful example there of all those things I think I've suggested in this closing section. One final thing. If people are really telling you that God has given you a gift for speaking, I have one final piece of advice. And I recommend that you write down your messages. You should be doing that anyway in the preparation of them. It's the only way that you will actually develop as a teacher. In his book, The Preacher and His Preaching by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who in my opinion was the greatest expository Bible teacher of the 20th century anyway, he recommends that preachers write down and keep their messages. As a result of reading that book, I began to write down all my messages. That was around 2001, and with a few exceptions, I have pretty much written out longhand every message I have ever preached. And after decades of doing that, there's no doubt in my mind that that is the single most important thing that has done to improve my speaking more than anything else anyway. Not saying that my speaking's great, but it's so much better than it would have been. It has forced me to think through what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. Consequently, I believe it's made me more exact, clear, and thus I believe a more effective communicator of biblical truth than I would have been had I not been doing that. And it has the added human benefit of I'm having, I have a record of my work and the hours I've put into the preparation of those messages. And if I'm called to use one of them again or adapt one of them again because it fits a particular situation, it does in the longer term mean it takes less preparation time for future messages. But the important thing I have to say, the manuscript of that message is not the final product. It should never be the preacher's final product. A sermon should not be read. It should be heard and it should be experienced by the congregation. Reading it would just dull the sense of a live moment of communication, a God moment. And neither should you memorize it either. An audience can sense when a speaker is reading words, if you like, off the, the wall of his mind, a bit like an actor, rather than as we are called to do, to struggle with it, to wrestle with it, to struggle with the thoughts and the words as we preach them out of the message. In other words, our message should be prepared exactly and internalized and then set free before people okay that's it for today we'll come back next time and we'll close off thinking about how to create messages that really do appeal to people bye for now
Okay, that's it for today. That was session 11 and our series of 12 in my series of A Guide to Preaching. I do hope you find it helpful and I do trust you'll stick with me and join us in our final session tomorrow as I explore the art and science of preaching. After that, we will be launching off on our next big project together, which is to work through the Gospel of Luke. Every verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I'm really excited to be back into the New Testament, particularly into a Gospel account. We'll hear the life-changing words of Christ and we'll see his life betrayed through the lens of Luke's account of what he saw and what he gathered from the eyewitnesses to the life and ministry of Jesus. So I do hope you'll enjoy it and I do hope you find it helpful. Can I remind you that you can connect to this ministry by visiting us on thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com. There you'll find links to all the ways you can connect with this ministry. They may well be on whatever podcast platform you're receiving this podcast from, but if you're not seeing them there, just bob through to the Bible Project at buzzsprout.com. That's the place where the podcast is hosted. That's the place where you'll find links, active links to things like the socials, the YouTube channel, my personal LinkedIn page, and also even Patreon and places like that, where you can decide you want to partner and support this ministry and basically get more involved and have a means by which you can make direct contact with me there. So if you feel God's calling you to help and support in that way, that's where you'll find how to do that. Importantly, this podcast, of course, is my main ministry and always will be so. And it's there I try and make as many free resources available as possible. So you should always find an episode notes page within every podcast episode, but also certainly at Buzzsprout anyway, you'll be a link through to a full transcript of pretty much everything I say in every episode. So you're able to take those, download them, do whatever you want with them, use them with my blessing and I trust the Lord's blessing to minister to yourself, to build yourself up, or even if you're involved in small group or in ministry in any way. Please understand there are freely available for you to use in whatever way you find helpful. So with that all said, I'll just say thank you for joining me. I pray that God will bless each and every one of you. And I do hope I'll see you back here again tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.